page 516 in the book of praise. Finally, we believe according to the word of God that when the time ordained by the Lord but unknown to all creatures has come and the number of elect is complete, our Lord Jesus Christ will come from heaven bodily and visibly as he ascended, Acts 111, with great glory and majesty. He will declare himself judge of the living and the dead and set this old world afire in order to purge it. Then all people, men, women, and children, whoever lived from the beginning of the world to the end will appear in person before this great judge. They will be summoned with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16. Those who will have died before that time will arise out of the earth as their spirits are once again united with their own bodies in which they lived. Those who will then be still alive will not die as the others, but will be changed in the twinkling of an eye from perishable to imperishable. Then the books will be opened and the dead will be judged, Revelation 20, verse 12, according to what they have done in this world, whether good or evil, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. Indeed, all people will give account for every careless word they speak, Matthew 12, verse 36, which the world regards as mere jest and amusement. The secrets and hypocrisy of men will then be publicly uncovered in the sight of all. Thus, for good reason, the thought of this judgment is horrible and dreadful to the wicked and evildoers, but it is a great joy and comfort to the righteous and elect. For then their full redemption will be completed, and they will receive the fruits of their labor and of the trouble they have suffered. Their innocence will be known to all, and they will see the terrible vengeance God will bring upon the wicked who persecuted oppressed and tormented them in this world. The wicked will be convicted by the testimony of their own consciences and will become immortal, but only to be tormented in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 41. On the other hand, the faithful and elect will be crowned with glory and honor. The Son of God will acknowledge their names before God his Father, Matthew 10, verse 32, and his elect angels. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, Revelation 21, verse 4, and their cause, at present condemned as heretical and evil by many judges and civil authorities, will be recognized as the cause of the Son of God. As a gracious reward, the Lord will grant them to possess glory such as the heart of man could never conceive. Therefore, we look forward to that great day with a great longing to enjoy to the full the promises of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 20. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we have seen in recent weeks when we had messages from James and Acts and Thessalonians, the theme of Christ's coming is repeatedly mentioned in the New Testament. It fits well with God's revelation then that the church in the time of the Protestant Reformation concluded their declaration and confession of faith to explain what we believe concerning the last judgment. Following the model of Psalm 73 and Psalm 92 that we sang together, the words of this confession served as a warning to those who oppressed the, the cause of the Son of God by persecuting his true church as heretics and evil people. And at the same time, it served as a comfort 
to the persecuted who needed to know that the trouble they suffered because of their faith was not for nothing. The scriptures make it very clear that there will be two very different outcomes for every creature who ever lived on the earth. And as we confess this truth, we can immediately see how important it is to heed the words of our Lord Jesus Christ to be ready and prepare ourselves for this day. We show that we believe the truth that we confess in Article 37 by the way we prepare ourselves for this destination. One thing we have learned in life is that when we travel, when we seek to reach a destination, it's best to pack and take along only what we need for the destination. Many of us have had the opportunity to be in the wildlife class at PICS where much of the year is spent on teaching us to prepare for the destination, thanks to, I think, Ben Zeldenrest at this time as a teacher. If your destination is at the top of a mountain, you will want to pack light and leave your heavy canned fruit at home. There's no use taking a canoe to a campsite that doesn't have a lake. Well, God has told us that at our destination, at the end of all times, we ourselves will stand before Jesus Christ in the flesh, and this is what we have to prepare for. May God use the description of the last judgment to do what the Psalms also do, to warn the wicked, to comfort the persecuted, and to help everyone to see that there can be no better news for us in all the world than the gospel that I proclaim to you this afternoon. Everyone will stand before the throne of Christ, the judge. We'll see that this old world will be destroyed, that all your works will be uncovered, and that Christ's church will be redeemed. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the Holy Spirit reveals that the heavens and earth that exist now are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. We confess that the Lord Jesus will set this old world afire in order to purge it. This means that when you stand before the judge, before that throne, you will not have anything that you have gained in this world with you. You will not need to debate your claim on the land that you purchased with past generations who used to own the same piece of property. Just like you never see a hearse with a U-Haul trailer. You will not see a person on Judgment Day with their stuff all piled around them, giving them more or less standing with the great judge, Jesus Christ. When you prepare for your destination, you don't need to pack your property, your house, your clothes, your tools, your food, or your money. Knowing this is very helpful to keep our lives in perspective, to set our priorities correctly. If your heart is tied to your material possessions so that you care more for your own comforts than for the kingdom of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time. Someday it will all be burned. Jesus' words come to mind in Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our Lord Jesus explains that just as it was in the days of Noah, while you are eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, suddenly and unexpectedly the Lord Jesus will come from heaven, bodily and visibly as he ascended, with great glory and majesty. The value of your beautiful home, the appeal of that delicious omelet on your plate, the need for that beautiful family will disappear in an instant as God prepares a home where righteousness dwells with such glory as no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man conceived. The next thing you will hear is the, the summons, the calling of the, the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God. Whether you have already died or you are still alive, you will be changed. The spirits of dead people be, will be reunited with their own bodies in which they lived in a great resurrection out of the earth and out of the waters of the sea. Speaking specifically of believers, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that those who are still alive when Jesus returns will be changed in the, in the twinkling of an eye from perishable to imperishable. And we don't know what age these bodies will be and if there will be a distinction between the bodies of the wicked and the righteous. But we do know that everyone will stand before the throne of God, Jesus Christ the Judge, in the flesh. Whoever you are, wherever you are listening from, the day will come when you too will be standing before the throne. You will be there together with every other person who has ever lived, but you will be there without any of the stuff that you worked so hard to obtain. Whether you spent your life as a poverty-stricken, untouchable beggar on the streets, or as a billionaire with private islands to yourself, or as a middle-class Edmontonian with your own house and, and car, or, or anywhere in between, the playing field will be completely leveled. A good way to prepare for that destination of the last judgment and Christ's return is to learn to let go of the stuff that God asked you to look after for a little while as stewards while you lived on the earth. The only trace that will be left of your existence on the earth are the deeds you have done that have become recorded in the books. Let that sink in. The next time you feel tempted to turn away from Christ's command to love God and love your neighbor, and you hurt or you ignore them just to get a bit richer or to have one more thing in your collection of possessions. On Judgment Day, you will see that it's not what you have that matters but it's what you've done in your lives. Packing will be easy for the destination you will be going to because there is nothing to take. But that doesn't mean that there is nothing to be done
during your time here on the earth. And all your works will be uncovered. That's what the Lord will be looking at. Revelation tells us that everyone has been, after everyone has been gathered before God's throne, then the books will be opened and the dead will be judged according to what they have done in this world, whether good or evil. And whether these are literal books, people's consciences, or a figurative way of referring to God's remembrance of everything that was done, everything that was done on the earth will be exposed by the light of God. All people will give account for every careless word they spoke, Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 36. People will give account for every jesting word that caused them to, to harm others. Every lie that was later claimed to be just a joke. All filthy language. All foolish talk. All crude jokes. Giving account means that you will be called to explain how your words and your, your actions glorified God. How they reflected God's work in your hearts. And if even the words that you spoke without thinking will be uncovered, how about everything else? Although God has seen everything that you've ever done, because you can't hide anything from him, or you can't deceive him, at the last judgment, it will be publicly exposed. Besides all the wicked things that people have done in the presence of witnesses that can still be found in the stories of our friends or the social uh, internet or social media internet archives also the hidden and the secret sins in the in the in the heads and the hearts of people will be publicly revealed you will you will be seen as as the person you are prejudiced viewpoints hidden addictions late night staring at pornography sinful longings in the heart, self-righteous pride, jealousy, and hatred, and all those things we did or we felt or we muttered in our own minds when we thought no one could actually hear us or know. They're not actually hidden at all. Sometimes people talk about taking this secret with me to the grave. And they might even manage to do that but that secret will be exposed on the day of the last judgment trying to keep these things hidden from others is as pointless as trying to cover up a, a lethal itchy rash that's that's on your body and try to hide it from your parents or your friends or your husband or your wife although you may be able to hide such a rash for a while behind your clothes and maybe refusing to ever go swimming with your friends, eventually it, it reaches your face and it can no longer be hidden. And just like a person whose rash becomes visible is then forced to go to a doctor where he discovers that there is a cure and that they had been hiding and depriving themselves of, of swimming with friends for nothing, so also on Judgment Day you will only discover that you held on to your secret sins to your own detriment. 
refusing to confess your sins to God could be used as evidence that you didn't believe in his grace and his love, that you spent your life denying the power of Christ's blood to forgive. Persisting in lies to your neighbor not only hinders your relationship to that person, not only hinders your relationship uh, to that person, but also deprives you from receiving support and help in your fight against sins. And so your entire life is affected pointlessly for something that will be publicly revealed anyways. If you compare sins that you've committed to, to rocks, then hiding them and, and not confessing them is like throwing the rocks into a knapsack that is on your own back that one day will be opened and, and showed to all. In Psalm 32, we sang that this morning. We sang those particular stanzas with the knowledge that we'd have this message in the afternoon. God's hand is heavy upon those who keep silent. Their bones waste away. They groan. Their strength is, is dried up until they acknowledge their sins. They do not cover their iniquity and they are enriched by the blessed relief of forgiveness of sins. And so we see how in our hearts and minds and relationships we can prepare ourselves in the understanding of what Judgment Day is like. God has revealed that Judgment Day is coming. And you can know that there is no need to, to carry the debilitating weight of hidden sins and guilt and shame throughout your whole life. You don't gain anything from that. You don't need to fear people more than God. And when you trust God, you will find that he is more gracious and more forgiving to you than, we, than you are often to yourself. You will find that your sins won't break your relationships to fellow Christians if you are repentant. And you will find that you can be set free to look God and to look your neighbor in the eye because Christ has truly forgiven those who confess their sins to him. If you today have not already walked this path of, of speaking the truth openly, of, of uncovering those hidden sins with your loved ones, perhaps helped along with your elders or, or other supporters like can be found in, in the life renewal who, by the way, are committed to confidentiality and a need-to-know basis, well, then you can use this sermon this afternoon to do what needs to be done. You can use it as an introduction to the issue in your families and in, in your relationships. You can say something, you can say something like, you know, the sermon we heard this afternoon about the last judgment. Well, I want you to know some of the things that will be revealed on that day that I have been hiding from you. Wouldn't you like to embrace the full work of Jesus Christ in your life? To understand the fullness of what forgiveness of sins means? Wouldn't you like that abundant life that he speaks of? Confess your sins, the Bible says, to God and to one another. And you will see why the gospel is such a wonderful and life-transforming thing. The gospel message, we believe, declares to us that God has punished Christ for every sin 
that we confess before him in repentance and humility everything written about you in the books that you have already brought to God in prayer before the last judgment has taken off the list of charges against you and put on a list of sins that are paid for and removed in Jesus Christ. When you are honest and when you confess your sins, there is forgiveness for you in Jesus Christ. God declares everyone who believes in Christ to be righteous and innocent. There is also a book of life, and in that book is a list of the names of everyone elect and chosen by God whose sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ out of mere grace. And then we see that simple act of daily confession of sins to God, which is really a daily list of the showing the depths of the forgiveness of, of God, praising that the Lord Jesus also paid for this sin. And that constant, transparent conversation with others in the same struggle that includes confession and reconciliation and follow-up and support and dependence. It allows you as a believer in Jesus Christ to be confident and unashamed when our Lord Jesus appears. It's all been uncovered. It's all been dealt with here on the earth. What do we have to be afraid of when the judge himself is the one who paid for those sins, who knows them himself? And that is why we confess that there will be very different reactions to Judgment Day. The elect who believe in Jesus Christ will have a very different experience from those whose names are not written in the book of life. Rather than being a declaration of the devil's work and a day in which the testimony of your own conscience confronted with the list of facts convicts you so that you know that you truly deserve to spend eternity together with all the other rebels against God in the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. The last judgment, that day, will be a day of a most glorious revelation of the gracious, steadfast love of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will see the depths of the grace of God. The church confesses that for the elect who have been declared righteous and made faithful, the last judgment will be a day of great joy and comfort. Christ's church will be redeemed. As we reflect on the scriptures, we confess that our faith in Jesus Christ will make all the difference for us on Judgment Day. Instead of fear and dread, the righteous and the elect will see their full redemption completed. They will receive the fruits of their labors and of the trouble they have suffered. That's what we confess in Belgian Confession, Article 37. The souls of the faithful who die in the Lord go immediately to be with him in paradise as the first fruits of their faith but they too will not be reunited with their bodies and they too will not be reunited with their bodies and souls and see the fullness of God's justice until the day of judgment and on that day of judgment the justice of our holy God and his faithfulness to his promises will be witnessed first in the terrible vengeance that God will bring upon the wicked. God will remove 
Revelation 21, verse 8, will remove all those who, who don't want to bow before him. He will remove all those who hurt God's people. He will take them away from, from the new heavens and the new earth. And not one of them will complain and call him unfair. But those who are left will see the wrath of God against sins. That wrath that was once poured out on Jesus Christ, they'll now see it pouring down upon those who rejected Christ's sacrifice and once persecuted, oppressed, and tormented the righteous in this world. In times of persecution, believers will remember that the truth that they suffered for will be revealed and the God they worship as king will bring justice. And at the same time, all those who received Christ's payment as their own, all who understood that Christ's cross redeems them, and all those who submitted to him as their Lord and Savior, even in spite of persecution, they will see the punishment that they deserved for their sins that Christ bore for them when he was on the cross, that they do not have to suffer. Judgment Day will be the most powerful declaration of Christ's gracious and effective work that could ever be made. There, before all people, from all times and all places in the world, everyone will see the depth of God's mercy to undeserving sinners, the gracious acceptance of Christ Jesus as our substitute, and God's decision to treat us as if we never had nor committed any sins at all. And whether they're, they are, whether their uncovered sins are publicly displayed on that day or not, the innocent and righteousness of all those who believe in Jesus Christ and are cleansed by his blood, that innocence, that righteousness will be known to all because it's Christ's righteousness. Everyone will see how effective Christ's work really is when the church is redeemed. The world will hear the Son of God, who is now also sitting on that throne as the eternal judge, will hear the judge acknowledging the names of every one of you who turned to him for the forgiveness of your sins, every one of you who long to worship God every day of your lives. They will see that Christ's church will be invited to come forward to inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world. The crowning of Christians with glory and honor that we confess will be clearly recognized as the most gracious, the most undeserved reward that could ever be. That is, bestowed on them only because God has become our Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then it will be clear to everyone that our faith is not a psychological or a philosophical crutch. Then it will be clear to everyone that going to the church building for worship was not just a social activity, and that the hope that we found in Christ while we lived on earth is connected to an eternal reality. All this time we were preparing for our destination in Jesus Christ. And we can see how important it is today 
to ensure that we, that our, our children are sincere in our faith, that we understand what it's all about. And we're not just going through the motions. Though we may suffer a lot when we are a part of the cause of the Son of God. The day will come when God will come to dwell among us and his redeemed church will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father, says our Lord Jesus in Matthew 13, verse 43. The Lord has promised to redeem us, body and soul. He has said he will wipe away every tear from our eyes so that we, that we and all our loved ones may stand together in our bodies and our souls without disease or suffering or death. And knowing this destination helps us today when we face anxiety and sorrow. Our diseases, our anxiety over our lives and the lives of our loved ones, our fear of those who hate God and hate his church and death itself will be no more. Finally, we will be in fellowship with him with bodies and souls, and we will fully grasp, we will fully experience what it means to be redeemed by grace alone. The wrath and the punishment that we are saved from, the love and eternal fellowship with the Creator of heaven and earth, and the worship that we are saved for, we will see it all. And brothers and sisters, as we confess this truth that question comes again to our mind do we believe this do we hate our sins and long to do what is right and pleasing in his sight forever and ever are you looking forward to worshiping God and living in fellowship with him for all eternity our Lord Jesus warned us it's in Luke 21 verses 34 to 36 he says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus' words make us ask the question, how are, how are we preparing ourselves? How are we standing ready for the return of Christ that can come any second now? Are we examining our heart, confessing our sins before God and, and to our neighbor, pleading, on God's mer pleading to God in the name of Christ and seeking that daily and continual repentance and reconciliation? When we sing these hymns of, of Christ's coming, the day of judgment, day of wonder, are we singing with a clear conscience because we trust and know the grace of God for us in Jesus Christ because right now we want to worship him in every moment of our lives. Hebrews reminds us, brothers and sisters, let us resolutely, decidedly making the decision to throw off every sin that entangles straighten out our priorities so that faith and love become the most important things in our lives and then rejoice with thanksgiving 
in God for his mercy to us. It's only when these confessions, when these texts make us see again who we are before God that we truly also see the fullness of the gospel. It's only when we're, we're stripped down to the bare necessities and, and left standing there just thinking about what we have done, exposed for being the dependent recipients of God's amazing grace to us, that the name of our triune God is truly glorified in our lives. The gospel message for the church shines when we see it in this way, when we have that destination in our minds. And all who rest in God's grace today, seeking to glorify his name above everything else, the promise is that you will be able to continue to worship him when our Savior Jesus Christ returns. That fellowship will go on and on and on. And this promise of pure, unhindered, humble, and everlasting worship of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, makes the destination, the full focus of, of all our senses throughout our lives. Remember your destination. Speak about it often among yourselves. Remember that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And live each day without fear. In the presence of God, the Latin expression is corum Deo, in the presence of God. That's what it's like in the last judgment. This is the peace, the comfort, the joy, and the hope that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has obtained for you. And that's why the Spirit in your heart makes you want to sing this next hymn with much joy and excitement. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Amen.